Hello and welcome to It Happened, Glimpses of History. I'm your host, Alan Partington. I'm imagining historians and other social science researchers sitting in libraries, museums, and other depositories of objects and knowledge, working long hours to glean information and prove theories. While these methods are certainly a large part of the research process, more technical methods and tools are also used. Let's take a glimpse at these technical tools. We have Associate Professor George Milne from the Department of History, specializing in early American history and Native American history, and Associate Professor John W. Carroll, an anthropological archaeologist from the Department of Sociology, Anthropology, Social Work, and Criminal Justice. Hello, Dr. Milne. Hello, Dr. Carroll. To start off, I would like each of you to tell us a little about yourself, your journey to where you are today, and your field of study. Let's start with Professor Milne. I've been at the history department in Oakland University for about 12 years now. Before that, I taught at Cal State LA, and I got my PhD at the University of Oklahoma, my master's in social thought and humanities at the New York University. And uh, this was actually a second career for me before this. I worked as a case manager in the social work field. My first book was on uh, French Louisiana during the early 18th century. My general interest is in colonial history writ large during the late 17th and early 18th century and how colonial powers interacted with indigenous polities and indigenous peoples. In North America, it is mostly Native American studies, but I have been broadening my scope to look at other colonial projects throughout the globe, particularly the French colonial project in the Indian Ocean world. Uh, Professor Carroll, you provided me with some information that I would like to read before you start Then you can explain it and expand on it a little bit, if you would. Okay, here we go. Dr. John W. Carroll is an anthropological archaeologist with research interests in cultural transmission, social interaction and integration, political and economic organization, and the social science applications of geographic information systems combined with computer modeling and simulation. A registered professional archaeologist who specializes in the archaeology of the eastern woodlands of North America. He is currently researching the use of remote sensing drones in the Near East, Europe, Africa, and North America, and is an FAA licensed drone pilot. Okay, Professor Carroll, take it away. Well, that probably took up about uh, the entire 15 minutes that you have to talk. So um, I don't know how I can add to that other than to say that. Uh, I've been at Oakland University since 2013, and um, in terms of my academic background, I have a, a, a master's and a PhD in anthropology from Michigan State University, and I also uh, hold a Master of Humanities degree from Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio. What I do is um, use computers uh, to help us understand how people lived in the past and also uh, 
I also use them to help us tell those people's stories in a way that we ordinarily wouldn't be able to without those kinds of tools. And so when people ask me what I do, I describe myself as a computational anthropologist. Back up a little bit. I am an anthropological archaeologist, and that's, you know, in terms of how archaeology is thought about and executed. Um, anthropological archaeology is is the proper way to describe it, but it falls under a broader umbrella that uh, is called computational anthropology. So I'm, I'm both of those things. That's accurate. Um, and in terms of the work that I do, uh, I really work on four continents. So I work in North America, Europe, uh, the Near East and Africa, doing very different things, but using um, similar technologies to understand different problems. And by the way, these are technologies that Professor Millen also uses as well. The computer-assisted methods that we use um, are complementary and overlap, but we, all, we definitely address different questions. So here in North America, I typically focus on uh, studying indigenous communities um, living uh, a thousand years or more and understanding how they interacted and related to one another across different regional areas. Um, when I'm in Europe, I use drones and computers to, to study um, historical architecture and also to understand how people use the landscape over time. In the Near East, I've done a lot of archaeology in Israel different sites, understanding essentially the, the histories of state-level societies in those regions across time. And um, in Africa, I actually use drones and computers to um, practice what we call applied anthropology, which is working with living people. And over there, I'm using drones to help people grow better food crops in the face of climate change. So it sounds pretty spread out, but uh, the tools that I use in all those different contexts are the same, and many of the tools uh, Professor Milne uses as well. Professor Milne, can you tell us how you would use these tools in historical research? Sure. Much of our work, Professor Carroll and myself, uh, has a great deal of overlap uh, since I deal with uh, Native Americans during the 18th century and how they interacted with European settlers. One of the things that I look at is the way that both groups used space. And by using 18th century documents and 18th century maps, I'm able to use GIS technology to analyze things like how large were their farms? Uh, did they have slaves? Where did those slaves come from? And the proximity of different settlements, both Native American and European settlements, their closeness, how did they interact? What were the uh, corridors of economic, social, political, religious 
uh, interaction. And GIS technology takes a lot of the guesswork and it takes a lot of the heavy lifting, a lot of the bean counting and automates it. Uh, it allows me, for instance, to do a quantitative analysis very quickly rather than the old-fashioned way on the back of an envelope with a pencil and a piece of paper. And it also helps explain certain phenomena, certain historical trends or events. Uh, once I can see where a particular cluster of settlements might be, I can start to ask other questions such as, um, what did this Native American group know about European commercial traffic on the Mississippi River, for instance? So uh, it's a big question. I don't want to take up too much time, but there's a great deal of overlap between history and anthropology these days. In fact, it's got its own name now, ethnohistory. And uh, I'm a member of the American Society of Ethnohistory. And I believe uh, Professor Carroll is also associated with, uh, with ethnohistorians. We use both historical and anthropological evidence to build our picture of the past. And I, wow. I think if I wanted to, if I could, I'd just like to add on to that, that um, for those who aren't familiar with Geographic Information Systems, or GIS for short, a good way to think about it, I think, would be if you've ever used Google Earth or used the navigation app on your phone to uh, navigate to somewhere, we, we use similar systems in our scholarship, only they're very robust. We're able to do a lot of complex statistical analyses um, and things that help us answer questions that we couldn't without it. So if, uh, if you hear us use that term GIS, that's what we're referring to. Can either or both of you give me some specific results, something you found maybe that surprised you or using some of this technology? Or doesn't it work that way? Oh, it works oh, that way. It works that way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Do you want to go, John? Uh, well, I'll just give you one example. Um, I've, I've published... Uh, uh, some articles on pre-contact lifeways for uh, Native Americans here in the Great Lakes region. And so uh, if I had had to characterize the difference between my research and Professor Milne's research, uh, he deals with uh, the, the historic record and, and um, I deal with uh, mostly pre historic or pre-contact data sets. And so we're interested in very similar things. And a lot of it, you'll see the recurring themes of social interaction and uh, how people construct identity and meaning in terms of who they are and who others are. We, we're both interested in that. He does it a different way. He has the, the historic record to draw upon. The people that I study, I often don't have written records to deal with. So that's where I go to the archaeological data to understand the people that I'm studying. And uh, an example of how GIS helped me do that is I looked at uh, ceramics made by Native Americans 800 to 1,000 years ago that came from all over the Great Lakes 
region of the United States. And I analyzed different uh, stylistic motifs that were common across a regional study area ranging from southern Ontario all the way down to um, central Indiana. And what I was trying to do was get an understanding of how we could detect interactions through these common motifs in ceramic pottery. And it turns out that they were communicating through their stylistic messaging at very broad scales, um, you know, at geographic ranges like I just described. And geographic information systems help me do the statistical analyses to tease out those similarities over a, over a wide area. So that's an example. Hmm. Professor Mill, do you have? Yes, um, and I'll give you an example. Um, just to back up, when I use the term ethno-historian, uh, for a long time, historians and anthropologists were sort of at odds on how to recover the past, and we've learned to work together and basically play nicely with one another. And uh, one of the the uh, classic lines of division between historians and anthropologists is partly outlined by uh, Dr. Carroll that historians use documents or other kinds of graphic records to recover the past. And we don't do very well with material culture. And uh, whenever I rub elbows with an anthropologist, they'll tell us that we're really not doing well with the material culture. I've been told that by several anthropologists. And um, historians often have sort of wince when we see anthropologists deal with documents. Uh, and that has been changing over the past 20 years. So that's just a little background. And it's a personal observation, but I think it, it holds water. Uh, it's good to say that it's holding less water than uh, it did in the past. Now, uh, for an example, I studied the Natchez Indians on the Mississippi River uh, near the present-day town of Natchez. By using GIS, I was able to rubber sheet or stretch an 18th century map over the present-day bluffs along the Mississippi River and plot the locations of Natchez towns and related Native American polities, villages throughout that region. What I found was that the leader of the Natchez people, the great son, had several cabins along the Mississippi River, even though his main homestead was several miles inland. And by using GIS, I was able to determine that a runner moving from one of the great son's cabins on the Mississippi could make it to the grand village of the Natchez, their, for lack of a better term, capital settlement, that that runner could beat a French vessel that was coming up the Mississippi just by running from or probably walking briskly from the lookout post on the Mississippi to the Grand Village. So in other words, the great son might have known that a French vessel, which was carrying a lot of 
commercial goods that the Natchez Indians were very much interested in, that that great son might have information before the commandant of the post at Natchez. So that came about by using GIS. I was able to actually measure accurately the distance and the terrain to determine that uh, the Natchez Indians might have had better intelligence on French shipments than the French actually had. Wow. <laughs> Pretty amazing. We are well out of time, so I think we're going to have to uh, wrap this up. Do either of you have any recommendations for our listeners that might like to read something about this? I'd like to jump in in a bit of shameless self-promotion that we have just launched a GIS minor in the anthropology department. That minor is being, for all intents and purposes, led by Professor Carroll. And in a really blatant self-promotion statement, I will be teaching a course on cartography in the winter of 2022. So uh, rather than read papers or books, they can always take a course. But I'll turn that over to Professor Carroll. Well, I would absolutely recommend to anybody who's interested in Native American research um, to investigate Dr. Milne's book called Natchez Country, which is uh, a fascinating read. And also, if you're interested in my research, um, I have several papers that are publicly available. You can just type in uh, my name, John Carroll, and Oakland University, and you'll see uh, different publications that are out there. And, um, and hopefully, Dr. Miller and I will be working on uh, many more projects in the future, and we'll be happy to come back and tell you about those. Dr. Milne, Dr. Carroll, thanks again for talking with us today. This podcast is created by Alan Partington with the cooperation and knowledge of the faculty of Oakland University Department of History. It's available at anchor.fm, spotify.com, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Come back soon for the next episode of It Happened, Glimpses of History. History.